Anyways, I'm excited to spend a little time, and before I bring Pat on the line, legendary engine builder, drag racer, and really just a big prominent piece of our industry for a long time, and a bit of door slammer drag racing uh, folklore, just give a a little bit of time introducing this man. He's a pro street legend, pro stock uh, competitor from way back when, an early part, went door to door with all the pro stock greats, went out on his own, kind of followed the pro street path, kicked ass and took names there for many, many, many moons, and basically eventually worked his way into the pro mod arena and was a big part of the engine builder battles and all the kind of exciting things that we've seen pro modified drag racing present us with over the course of the last couple decades. But what's happened in recent years is particularly special because he has really identified himself as the front runner, the guy he's had a target on his back for many moons. And it's, it's interesting to see how hard it is because it's one thing I, we talk about this in NBA sticking ball sports all the time. I would argue that it's easier to play sports like from behind. It's, it's easy to get motivated. It's easy to be hungry because you're struggling, right? You're trying to climb to the top and you're, you're getting, you're, you're trying to prove yourself and you're the underdog. And I think that that's, it's easy for us as humans to kind of convince ourselves to really try hard when it's us against the world. But what doesn't get talked about a lot is how hard it is to stay at the top once you're up there and i'm excited to talk to pat because he is most assuredly at the top of his game in 2019 pat musi what's going on buddy i'm good Wes. thanks for that intro i I appreciate it i really do hey man i mean every word of it and it's it really is crazy to see how this whole thing has happened because there used to be and there still are several players in the game let's not be honest and i mean i've made i'm good buddies with all these guys and i've kind of pride myself on having good relationships with as many people in the industry as I can, but there's no doubt that your program is the front running pack leading program right now. I'm curious, thinking back to those days, traveling overseas and traveling down South and all over the United States and fight where there, did you ever think in your wildest dreams that it would be like this, where your engines are winning championships in NHRA pro mod, uh, largely dominating PDRA pro nitrous, was there ever a day when you thought, man, I don't know if we're going to be able to keep doing this? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's overwhelming sometimes. You know, I always knew when I was driving, I'd always leave my building thinking I had a shot at winning a race. But to have as many customers that run good and keeping everybody on an even playing field, it's it's pretty pretty tough. But we're staying there so far, and I intend on staying there. We're working on some stuff, and... Hopefully, Virginia, we're going to make these guys scramble a little bit. Well, I'm curious. One of the things that we talked about in this nitrous racing roundtable that I was so I'm so appreciative of you taking part of. One of the things I wanted to talk about is how in 2008, when we saw the first ever five second nitrous door slammer pass, I remember this moment well. Uh, I was actually I wasn't at. I wasn't in English town when it happened. I was driving down the road, but my phone just started melting down. The first person to call me was Van Abernathy, our own Van Abernathy, called to tell me that Jim Halsey had cracked off a five-second pass at the uh, uh, Old Bridge Township Raceway Park in English town, New Jersey. Wonderful facility, awesome place at the uh, at the Shakedown at E Town. And I remember then that everybody that you talked to would kind of say, "Well, we're kind of at the end. We're we're." 
this is about all she's got. You know, the engines were, were really, there'd been a whole lot of things happen with the engine programs. The camshafts were getting much more radical. Compression ratios seemed to be getting more radical. There were a whole bunch more. There was a much uh, greater level of competition in the engine building game all of a sudden. Did you, when those moments were happening there in 2008, a little over 10 years ago now, did you think, I mean, looking at what's going on now, you had a customer go 567 a couple of days ago. I mean, did you ever think there was that much left in the tank? I mean, obviously the engines have gotten a lot bigger and there's been multiple changes, but did you think personally that we were kind of at the end of the rope? No, not really. I never think like that. You know, it's funny. I'll bring up a little quick uh, trivia for you. Two days ago, Richie Zool called me. Everybody knows Richie Zool. He goes back farther than I do. And we talked about some stuff, and we said, boy, if we only knew back then what we knew now. And that's kind of how it is. We, you know, we keep working on stuff, and we never stop. And you can't stop. You can't look back. you got to keep moving forward. And a, a, a lot of technology, you know, the EFI has been a big part of. I don't think these big engines would have ever got to where they got unless you had EFI. I mean, you can't run one on a set of carburetors. I don't care. What my competitors say, there's one or two out there, it's not happening. You're going to have parts all over the racetrack. It's just not happening. The motor's too big. You just can't do it. Um, so that's been a huge deal in it, you know. But um, one thing that's kind of funny, you mentioned Halsey 595. I remember that. I know a lot of people don't remember this, but Richie was with me and we talked about it. There's a little dispute. I made the first seven-second run in 1976 or seven with my Monza at Englishtown. Now, granted, it was a match race, then Holly had that seven-second club. I think I was fourth, but we went 795, and it was like the world turned upside down. You know, same deal. There's always marks, and then the six-second zone and the 200-mile-an-hour zone. So. I think we're always going to have marks, Wes, and that's great for the whole deal. Well, I was curious, and that's something that is actually a really relevant conversation to have because it's not... It's no secret at this point that there was a bunch of massive barrier broken a few weeks ago, and it turned out to be a, an invalid run, a, a dispute with the timing system, and there's been all sorts of controversy and drama surrounding this deal. But my big takeaway from it, and I've said this to anybody who will listen, my big takeaway from that whole situation was how much these records mean to everybody. How much that stuff, I mean, you're talking about, you know, a little bit of a dispute over being the first in the sevens like that. Those things mean so much to racers that I think sometimes we overlook that those little happenings, those are the things that will keep a guy racing for another 10 years. Oh, yeah, it does. It means a lot, you know, and uh, I mean, another big thing, I hate to change the subject, but I got to bring this up. One thing means a lot to me, and you know it, Wes. We've brought Lizzie to a level. I'll put her up against anybody. Even Ricky will tell you. Ricky hates the runner. <laughs> you know, we, we made an accomplishment as a driver. I've even been able to transfer my body into her body, let's say, and she's a driver. We all know that, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. Those are marks, you know. Well, I don't know what she I don't know how she'd feel about saying you transferred over your body into hers that might might upset her a little bit you know but no i mean hey we've talked about this before i've always been impressed with lizzie i was impressed with lizzie's ability to handle all the scrutiny that's probably the thing because 
I don't know that it's it's not impossible to teach someone how to do a good burnout and how to stage the car and how to do a good job in there and how to keep the car in the groove and how to all these different things and, and, and knowing when to throw in the towel and when to an aborter run and all these things. Given time, you can teach someone to do that. But there are plenty of people in this world that could never have dealt with the pressure and scrutiny that young woman has been under since she got behind the wheel because she kind of dived into the drag racing world right during the explosion of social media where everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got the ability to spew their opinion to the millions, to the masses. And if I have to say one thing about Lizzie, it's pretty amazing that she was able to take all that stuff in stride. Somebody, people saying anything about her, you know, good, bad, or otherwise just dealing with that noise. I mean, we talk about it with professional athletes these days. I don't know how, athletes of old would have been able to handle this 24 seven news cycle. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got their own little news outlet. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, you've got to be proud of that, man, because I know as a father of a young girl right now, I have a four-year-old daughter and I think about how I'm going to try to prepare my daughter for the world. This world that we live in is different than the world that I grew up in. You got to be proud to have given her thick enough skin and equipped her with the confidence to succeed in this day yeah, and age. It, it, it is tough on him, Wes. You know, one good thing that she has, she find like she'd come to me, well, this guy said this, and Lizzie, I'm a driver. You're going to learn my way to drive. Everybody knows I can drive. Do it my way. Might be even a little different than Ricky does. He'd be the only go-to I would go to when we had a situation, but... You know, as far as driving, she listens to what I tell her. And I'll tell you, another one out there is going to be really good as Trisha. She watches, learns, she's coming around. So I'm pretty proud of both of them driving, you know. I'm glad you brought up Trisha, man. It's so cool to see Mike Carpenter and I were talking about that earlier this week that, man, she's really having a hell of a year right now. And she's really done a great job behind the wheel of your old hot rod. Is that cool to see like your daughter driving one of your old cars, a car that you helped that kind of helped build the Pat Musi empire? Yeah, it is cool. Bless. It's really cool. Um, You know, that car is going to continue to get faster. She's driving better. She's learning, you know, and, uh, She'll be good. She listens, too. You know, she has my advice, and I'm going to try to get everywhere, you know, help Lizzie a little with the, you know, I was against the Street Outlaws deal, but if she's going to do it, I got to try to help her a little. I'm going to try to help Trisha. I'm going to do as much as I can, Wes. I I just think I got a lot for these people to learn, you know, for my daughters to learn, not not people. I'm curious. One of the things that we've talked about here on the show has been how kind of the invasion I'm curious, and since you brought up the no prep and the street outlaws type of thing, I think we got to touch on it. I mean, it's most, no matter how you feel about it, it's been a big deal. When you and I were talking in Gainesville or wherever we were, Houston, I think it was Houston, we were talking about how, you know, uh, Lizzie and Kai were out racing at some no prep Kings deal or whatever it was, and you said that the place was packed out, man. They were basically turning people away at the gate. When you think about how big that scene has gotten and the fact that we've all kind of had to embrace it a little bit, do you think what do you think is going to happen when we've already had it happen a little bit? Dwayne Mills, big time outlaw drag radio racer, first rate stuff, really serious team, great equipment, great team, great crew. They go out and they start running over these guys. What do you think? I mean, is it going to change the dynamic a little bit over there when Pat Musi starts showing up at these deals, tuning on Kai and Lizzie stuff? I think it will. I think it's going to change. And I don't know that people like us don't get kicked out. I'm just. I don't know. 
Wes will say, but we're going to try to run. You know, you know, wherever I go, I try to run good. But, you know, it's like you say, my, my deal with Tony Christian, if you remember, the reason why that was successful is because we had horsepower TV followed us everywhere. And we had crowds, and it was on a smaller level of street outlaws, but I'm telling you, we had more people than we could do going racing pro stock. We had a ball. Well, and it's, so, hard, it's hard to argue the power of television, right? I mean, even no, back then, can't. I mean, I was exposed, my first exposure to you, really, and Tony Christian, that whole scene, I think was on Saturday morning Hot Rod TV, Horsepower TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great show, and they did a good job. And, I mean, we'd get stopped in airports. We would sell T-shirts. I mean... I don't know. I struggle with it now. You know, I mean, they, they um, you, you need TV and that's what I'm hoping happens for Lizzie and PDRA. She gets a stepping stone, some kind of TV deal comes along, you know, we'll see. But, um, uh, you know, I'd like to move her up eventually, you know, where she gets really get some coverage. But, you know, TV that you can do all the social media, but what? You get on TV, you know, it just take it gets people that probably normally they might not know a lot about the race cars, but they they want to watch racing. They love it. They want to see the people that are on TV, and it's just out of control. I think what we do on social media a lot is we kind of there's a lot of preaching to the choir, right? I mean, you're these are the people that are already going to the races. These are the people that are already buying tickets to the PDRA race. They're already buying tickets to the NMCA race. This is, it's no, they're going to go no matter what it's when you get on TV, you start to get around, you start to get yourself in front of the people that are maybe baseball fans, you know, that like cars kind of, or whatever, but they're not necessarily hardcore drag racing fans. And that's definitely what, I mean, you can see it literally plain as day with the whole street outlaw crowd is they have fans that are not necessarily car guys. They just like right. Big Chief or they like right. Chuck or they like Daddy Dave. They just like something about them, the way they talk or the way they act. It's it's definitely different. And drag racing's lacking a little bit of that in, in 2019, if you ask me. And while we're on the subject kind of of what we're lacking, one of the things we're lacking in drag racing that's greatly concerning me at the I think it's indisputable that. NHRA, the E3 Spark Plugs, NHRA Promo Drag Racing Series presented by JNA Service is the, is the hot ticket right now. Quarter mile legal promod racing is hot like fire. There's a ton of fantastic teams involved, a lot of money involved. It's highly competitive. But one of the kind of glaring issues, if you ask me, if you look back to the NHRA Spring Nationals in Houston at Houston Raceway Park, powered by Pennzoil, I got it right that time, is there was right. three nitrous cars in the field. Now, granted, they were all qualified in the top half, I believe. Right. And your car, the car that you and Dean Marinas tune on, Chad Green's Camaro, you guys were qualified number two. You guys were right in the thick of things. But it is, I don't know that Pro Modified is going to look the same if we're only going to have two or three nitrous cars. Because I understand Belushi's got a turbo car on the way, if not already on the way. So that leaves us with two. So that leaves you us with two. got the other guy that says he's going to go 550s. I want to see that. And you got Chad Green, and I'm going to try to make as fast as I can. But, Wes, look, we made a good run when the air was good. They didn't, meaning the blowers and the turbos. End of story. On Sunday, when the dust cleared and everybody was in the same air, they still had us by 500s, maybe six. Like I tell them all along, but it's like I got a doorknob I'm looking at right now. I'm in my dino room. I might as well talk to a doorknob than talk to them guys in NHRA. You know, Ronnie, 
<laughs> it's pretty funny. My guy Ronnie's easy going, you know, and I made such a big deal. They gave us a 25-pound weight break. You know about it, I'm yes, sure. Okay? Yes, well, I would stop the car in the scales every run, Chads, take the front end off, fold my arms. I want Tech Boy here. I want him here. I want him to show me where we're getting this 25 pounds off. He gave us 25 pounds. We happen to be 30 pounds overweight. Where are we getting it from? So you gave us nothing. You might think you gave us something. You gave us nothing. I'm trying to show it to him. But like I said, it's like talking to a doorknob. I can't get anywhere. And I don't want to badmouth any tray. I'm just telling you, those guys don't listen. They're looking up at the sky. Think about it. It was fast. We had a rack together. We made two good runs, me and Dean put together. Chad drove good. And we wound up number two. They couldn't get around us because then the air went away. But on Sunday, when everything evened up, where were we? Do the math on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Use your brain a little bit. Do you think that it's – is there a – one of the things I had someone tell me is <clears throat> like how hard you're running the cars. Do you think – is it a matter of like – towing out into because that's something that i think exists in our whole industry right now or at least in the whole pro mod ranks right now is that we're seeing like massive carnage from some teams where stuff's blowing up all the time and they're tearing stuff up all the time where it almost looks like a fuel car pit and then we're seeing you know other teams where it doesn't seem like there's a lot of maintenance going on at all you know the thing is really calm and really under control do you think it's a matter of are we reaching a point where the guys are just everybody's going to have to tear stuff up more often even if you tear it up, you can't race like that with a nitrous car. I'm not going to do that. You know we pride ourselves on keep once in a while we'll get one because that's the nature of the beast with nitrous. Oh, no but, question. Uh, generally, we, we're not going to race like that. You can't. You can't. How do you come back for the next round? What kind of racing is that? Oh, no, I so agree 100%. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I agree 100%. I was just curious because that's, I mean, I don't know where we really go from here because we have to do something, in my opinion, to encourage. The, one of the things that I've always argued that if you were to win the lottery right now and you really wanted to go NHRA Pro Mod Drag Racing, there's basically no chance, unless you're like me or you or somebody that's just a hardcore nitrous guy, that you're going to go, if you're wanting to build something that you know you can run at the front, with relative ease or you know what i mean as far as making big power and having something that's going to be manageable you're going to build a twin turbo hemi deal right with an automatic well i do a turbo or a blower both of them look good to me right now oh, you yeah, know they're they both do. um which you know my argument with them we can't get any lighter that's what i'm trying to tell them you know i made such a big scene at houston every round about the 25 we can't get any lighter you can't safely run the car any lighter so we're at our max. Can't make the motor any bigger. They put a cap on us on a motor. And you can't put any more nitrous in. You're going to blow it up. Look at the other guy. He looked like, um, I don't know, Chernobyl out there, I guess. would be a good explanation. <laughs> it's I'm true, not going to race like that. No, you know, no, I, mean, I agree. So it's either they have to slow those guys down the way I see it right now. Or hell, just let us have the 959. And I don't think that's going to do it. But at least give us something. Give us something. What's the worst that can happen? If we get too fast, so they slow us down, then you can wait on us at that point. But at least give us something. They gave us Zippo, zero. There's no, if you can come to my car, I'll bet anybody. How about this? I'll put up 10 grand 
I'll, I'm sorry. I'll put a yeah. Put a ten grand. They could put a hundred bucks up if they can find the twenty five to get out of that car legally. I agree. I looked at it, man. I've looked at it. I've looked at, and I've talked to a hundred people that the weight. That's not the answer, no matter what. I really don't think the answer is trying to take. No. I mean, you can't. You can't take any more weight off those cars. It's unrealistic, and we're going right back down that ADRL Pro Nitrous Pro Extreme route, where everybody's trying to build these super crazy expensive cars that 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 can't live but one season if that i mean that's that's not the way we want this deal to go there's no doubt about it man i i do think we've got to figure something out though because you know the numbers are dwindling and i know that just as a fan i don't want to see the pro mod category become a blower and turbo only deal and i certainly don't want to see it become i don't want to see nitrous cars not competitive in this in this world i'm curious do you think that the time has kind of passed though to slow the whole class down i feel like if that's the tact we are going to take if we are going to if we were going to slow everybody down it feels like we maybe should have done that two or three years ago before this thing got as out of control as it is right now right right well then all i can tell them i was against it give us the big motor it's going to be hard to run in the quarter but let us have it. You have one guy that's um, resisting, and it's the other nitrous car. I won't mention names, but let's but we can pretty well figure out who it is. He's resisting because he doesn't want to spend the money. Well, you can't hold the whole deal back because well, of the money. Chad's willing to pull the plug and do it if he has to do it. But something, we got to try something. Well, it's And it's, um, if they're not going to slow him down, then that's the only possibility I can see. And, I don't even know if that'll get us close enough, but God Almighty, let's try it. Well, something's got. Well, let's uh, let's switch gears here over to the the PDRA Pro Nitrous Division, which is still hot like fire. There's a ton of competition, a ton of front runners. It seems like it's kind of crazy to see how fiercely competitive that category has has become, or and not really has become, has remained. Right? I mean, it's an absolute dogfight over there, and it has been since day one. I mean, what's your take on the on the Eliminator right now and what's going on and who you see as maybe your fiercest competition out there? It's amazing to see Jim Halsey has come back with a vengeance, right? Yes, yes. He run. But, um, you know, we... Boy, I missed the boat. Lizzie never does that. Nobody paid attention to it, but she won 64, 208, 207, 90. You know, and went red by 017. We are going to stand on it. I hope they're ready. I hope that's not all they have. That's all I'm going to let out of the bag on that part of it. But I'm happy for it. I want the competition. But here's what I like about it. Guess what? We all have the same parts. They're all nitrous engines. They all weigh the same, give or take 20 pounds. We come out and we race for it. We don't have to worry about different power adders. And I come from Pro Stock, so you know I like that. Do I like the diversity? Yeah, I do like it if we can get it right, but they can't get it right, Wes. Do you think, I'm so curious, why. What, what's your take on that Marcus Burt 360 with a four run? I'm sure as much as that probably stung a little bit, it was probably also exciting because it's one of your customers. You might have sold an engine during the deal because I know they, they had you. I know you guys pulled an all-nighter to get one down to Marcus and the gang so they could race on Saturday. But that yes, 360 with a four run. We were glad to do it. He's a great guy. Great guy. He's got good help, you know, and. I was glad to see it. But here's what I tell everybody. I've raced like this for 45 years. Unless I'm in the other lane at the same racetrack, I can't tell you. You know what I'm saying? So that radio deal, we all know now. Yeah, they had clock screw up at the other one. You know, 
it's a different deal. Anytime you have to have a track prepped for a car to run is a little odd. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not used to that. But all in all, those guys made a kick-ass run. I know the speed they went. I looked at the numbers. I had the motor here because they broke a timing belt on that one run and then come and got the other motor. So I work on their stuff. They're they're doing it right, you know. So, uh, but, you know, it's a different deal. I don't know what that tire is capable of. But all I can say is you can't run those cars against our cars at the same prep or vice versa. We can't run their prep. They can't run our prep. So we'd have to do one lane for each if they wanted to have, like, a shootout deal. But So it's kind of apples and oranges. It really but is. I'm happy to see it. Those guys work hard, man. I was happy to see it. You know, I'm happy to see them all. Unfortunately, you know, they pulled the plug on the other deal because it was um, not right. We all know it was, wasn't was right. I mean, I think they should have. Should they have caught it earlier? Absolutely. But they didn't. And that's how it goes. But at least they did the right thing in the end and pulled it. I mean, no guard beams. You can't do it. You cannot run no guard beams in today's world. I agree with that, man. I'm, I think that the thing about those runs that I... For me, I just enjoyed the whole fact that it was like this. It's a proof positive that you really don't know, right? I mean, we until you start to tow out of the comfort zone, nobody really knew what that combination was capable of. But you're exactly right, man. That's something that we talk about that all the time here in the Midwest. You know, the radial stuff is so big in the East Coast and in the Southeast. Guys come here in the Midwest and they want to run those radials and they'll come to you know, like a test and tune night, or they'll go to a a regular event here in the Midwest and they don't realize that the tracks, if they're not prepped specifically for radials, you're going to have trouble. You're going to struggle a lot because it is a completely different deal. You couldn't run one of them cars. And that's where, you know, Wes, you've been there. PDRA has got a little better prep NHRA. You got to run what you're given. And if we go to a outlaw racetrack, we got to be able to cope with it. We got to set the car up. I don't know if they can. I mean, you know, hey, they don't I, have I, that I don't think glue, that you can, you know, yeah. whatever amount of glue they put down. I don't know if they can run them cars. I really don't. No, it's an interesting deal, man. It is a beast entirely of its own. I'm curious, do you think that we'll see that? This, this, I think there's probably more attention around the nitrous 350 barrier right now than ever before. I think Donald would argue that there's a, it, that it's stained a little bit or something like that, but I got to tell you, there's a silver lining to it because I think more people are talking about it and more people are going to be paying attention to it than ever before. I mean, it would have been a big deal before, but it's going to be a really big deal now. How much does that do, does chasing those records, is that something, is that part of the Pat Musi model? Is that something that you kind of yeah. hang your yeah, hat we, on where you're going to, you guys want to no, go be the first, right? You know, no mistake about it. That 209 that Lizzie still has, that made, made you know, it meant a lot to us, you know. I don't think they'll get around that till the winter comes along back here, you know. But um, all those numbers, Wes, they mean something. But here's what I could tell Mr. Duck. That's all I call him. Everybody knows that. I don't care what he says. You know, <laughs> I told him what to do. Get in the car and get in the other lane. Stop BSing. I'll drive a car. Ricky's going to give me his car. He already said he would. <laughs> anyway, Donald, to make the sport right, needs to get somebody non-biased to set those guard beams, set the clock, set the whole deal, and make sure it's right. Prove to the world you're right. I'm not saying he's not right. He probably is. But, Wes, for the sake of the sport, 
we need to start getting these things done right. Somebody needs to measure them out right. Somebody needs to check. We can't hear at the end of the race, oh, we didn't realize the guard beams weren't on. Well, that ain't flying, Wes. I, I don't know that everybody fully understands the can of worms that is kind of open now. Because that whole situation, I've had, if you're a race, and I literally did an interview earlier this week with Donald, and I told him, and I'll tell anybody else that'll listen, if you're putting on a race in 2019, moving forward, you better make sure your shit's right. I mean, you better That's triple, you quadruple We're on check. the same page, Wes. Because if, I mean, there's more eyeballs on it right now. There's more scrutiny right now than ever before. And if you have an event where the conditions look like they're going to be favorable and there may be a record set, something like that, you better have it right. <laughs> That's what I say. And I even told Tommy, which is so good, we're going to run in Virginia, and HRA is going to be there. It's got to be right. Have an outside person come in for the benefit of the sport, the benefit of the association, the racers. Make sure it's right. Have it on in stone that it's right, period. I agree. I, I bet it's going to be a business. Anybody. There's going to be a business pop-up. They're going to say that first thing. There's going to be a business pop-up. I bet you anything the same way. Do you remember when like the track prep gurus kind of became a thing? Like the ADRL yeah. brought in Larry, uh, Larry Crisp, Kale and Cody Crisp. And the yeah. next thing you know, there's track prep gurus popping up all over the country, right? People that, that are, that specialize in track preparation. And that trend has continued for a long time. And I think it's, it's it's been an interesting thing to watch unfold, but I venture to say the next little thing we'll see is someone validating these timing systems or or coming in measuring tracks, keeping you know what I mean. Like the same way, this is an interesting thing. Maybe we should murder tundra. You should do this. You should start buy a little trailer, get a little surveyor's outfit or whatever, and we'll start doing track the same way. Like your restaurant gets a grade by the food yeah. the food administration or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, have you seen those letters hanging up at restaurants? When you walk in a restaurant, yeah. that thing's yeah. hanging up there. What your rating was, and you should. I, and just, I think it's only, it's only a matter of time. Timing system in order to do who's it? Brock Yeah, Bob Brockmeyer. He may do that. I mean, we may be talking about something that already exists. But I'm saying it should be probably more of a public front and center thing because. Pat, tell me the craziest story. I bet you got a crazy story. I know that we have one. There was a track here in the Midwest. I'm not going to name names, but it was like well known. A track in Missouri outside of St. Louis, and it was well known that the 60 foot clocks were hot. Right? It was short. Everybody knew it because you would you would literally you'd go you could literally race three places within a couple of hundred miles, and your car would go. Back then, I think my dad's car went like. 108 or 107 60 foot and you'd go there and it'd go 102 103 but I, every time i guarantee it had no guard beams oh for the sure NHRA came out with guard beams for that reason look i'm not going to mention any names but i'm going to tell you a story we caught a pro stock guy with a towel tied up in front of the front spindle string between his legs stage the car drop it and he'd go when he got ready so what's that tell you? But we had no guard beams. Couldn't happen today with guard beams. That's all they have to do. Yeah, it's all. No, I mean, they have no to doubt. have the rollout right, and they got to have guard beams. Yeah, it's not a super complicated thing to have right, but it's no, it's it, no. it, but it's got to be right. There's going to be more scrutiny about this stuff. I kind of hate it in some ways because now all these things that have happened 
it's it's anything can be questioned at this point in time, right? I mean, it's kind of part of our society too, right? I mean, how many people, you know, get there's something comes out in the news that somebody did somebody wrong 27 years ago, and now they're going to go public with it. It happens all the time. Oh yeah, or did they pick on Trump? My buddy Trump, I can't believe it, but whatever. (laughs) I got to tell you, man, the guy's got thick skin. Tell him to come at him. Oh, dude, I tell you what. (laughs) Trump's got thick skin. I give it to him, man. He's got thick skin. There's no doubt about it. So tell me a little bit about, I want to just go back to whenever we see these rivalries that exist right now, like you and Jay Cox get pretty hot and bothered, and and you and Donald have obviously gotten pretty hot and bothered, and there's been several of these things. You've gone back and forth with a lot of different guys over the years, but how much... How important is it? That stuff's all real. I think that that's something that people don't understand, that it's not like you guys get on the phone and map this stuff out and and plan who's going to say what and when. And how are you guys able to kind of separate that? Like, how were you and Tony Christian able to go at each other, flip each other off, call each other names and everything else, but really kind of it it never, it wasn't like you were meeting in a parking lot to fight sometime. I'll put it into perspective for you. You'll understand this, I think. Guys like Tony Christian, guy like Jay Cox, I acknowledge their accomplishments. They're good at what they do. But the other one that you mentioned, I can't acknowledge him as knowing anything. He's never driven a car that I know of. That's why I called him out on it. Drive something. I mean, he's a good promoter. That's it, period. Knows nothing about setting up a race car, driving it. So that's where I kind of struggle with it a little bit. But... When you mutually respect a guy can do the job you do, you can do it. You can juggle it. You know, we're, listen, me and Jay are going to try to take each other's head off, but we can shake each other's hand now after and have dinner. That's how it goes. And me and Tony were like that. And you, you know what I'm trying to say? You know, we have that mutual respect and uh, it works. And But we need more rivalries. We need it. You know, I'm just. At 67, I've lost my patience for stupidity. <laughs> Were you, you – I mean, I've seen it there. in action. I mean, I've seen you in action lose your patience in a hurry. I'm curious, was there a time – I mean, were you hotter-headed – earlier on or as you have you gotten older has your have your uh your give a damn been busted it is, takes is me it worse longer more? to snap now snap. but i used to snap early i'm trying to control what i really do but i think you do I, a pretty like good I job said, I, I, my wife um they got me a t-shirt it says i'm a grumpy old man the level of your stupidity is on the level of my sarcasm if i can send you a picture of it, it was pretty funny but you get older and you have no patience for it anymore, I guess, is what I'm trying to tell you. I've seen it with my dad, man. My dad used to, like, I could tell he just can't wait to, like, put his old man hat on and just say whatever he thinks anytime. Yeah. He he, he never yeah. hesitates at all, man. But he deserves he it. He can. That's right. what I say. Yeah, He asked true. me, why did you say that? Because I can say it. Yeah, who's going to stop me, man? Who's going to stop me? Ah, what a deal, dude. What a deal. Okay, so next subject I want to talk about just a little bit, and it, it just goes back to the reliability of all this stuff. One of the things that I think blows my mind is how guys are able to run, like make so many good runs, run, go run 370s, go run 380s, and they don't work on these things. I'm curious, can you give us a little bit of insight? Like when you try to go from running 375 all the time to trying to run 365, what, what, what's the difference there? Whenever, I mean, because that seems to be, that's like what separates 
you guys and the people we were just talking about from the pack, right? There's there's plenty of guys that seem to be able to go out and run well into the 70s consistently, but when you start running in the mid 60s and quicker, it's a different deal. Where where's the where's the gap or where's what's the difference maker? Well, for the average guys, you know, going from the 70s, 60s is rough. We're able to do it in the 60s. We're, listen, every time Lizzie goes out there, we're trying to go in the 50s. I mean, I'm just telling you straight up, you know, but we're struggling with power management. But And then I'm sure we're going to start hurting stuff. We know we are, but thank God we're able to keep that 60 mark. You don't see us working on Lizzie's motor. I mean, you never, we might swap a motor and everybody thinks, well, we heard that. Anytime they want, I'll put the other motor in and run it. I just, that's how I learn. I run different things in different engines, and I'm used to that from Pro Stock. I'll run both motors at one race. I mean, or three motors. I don't know, whatever. Um, but um, we've got a 360 combination, but it took a long time to get there, Wes, you know, and I know everybody wants that, but they got to work for it. You know, Jay's worked for it, but, you know, um, he occasionally hurts stuff, but he's doing pretty good. He's doing it on his own, you know. So, and Halsey seems to be getting there. You know, they're getting it. They'll get it. So we know we got to stay in our job. But that's pretty well the mark right now. The seventy mark is where it gets crazy, you know. And they'll find out. They might make one or two hero runs, but you see what happens. Um, I think in the final at um, uh, Galat hood scoops and windshields and I'm not doing that I, I'm not saying it can't happen because you can have a glitch but I'm not racing like that it ain't gonna happen I understand I'm curious will you guys what are you having to do where is it that the the difference is made like on the actual drag strip so where are you trying to pick it up is it just pouring the coals to it and seeing how aggressive you can get out the back or are you is it down in the 60 foot are you trying to get after it down low or do you feel like that's not where the I mean because it's not like these cars aren't fast down low they're really fast down low but where are you trying to pick them up like me and Ricky say a nitrous car has to make a killer run down low and you got to run the motor as hard as you can run it. You know what I'm saying? And we've worked hard at that to be able to keep the parts in our motor and be able to withstand what we're throwing at it. And then having a car that's on the edge and might not make it a run, you know, shake. I mean, they're on the edge of shaking any run we make. I mean, that's just the way it is. I don't run traction control. Anybody can look in my car. I'm not a believer in it. I'm not going to do it. If a guy can't tune his car, he don't need to be there. But the traction control is just going to slow you down, I feel, you know, so. Well, um, I mean, and that's a, that's a proven fact, right? I mean, it's anytime you're taking power out of the thing to say, I mean, I think you might save some runs and you may learn sometime when you, when you may not have learned, right? When you would have had to abort a run, but we've talked about this a lot, that if you're going to, if you're trying to go fast and make the best possible run that you can make, taking power out of it's probably, it's not going to speed the thing up. No, I mean, you have to take power out a little bit in your timing curve, but the every traction control I've looked at takes more out, and then it goes back and puts more in it. Right. And I don't know. I just, that's my job. I'm a tuner. You know, I mean, I've always been, and that's what I got to do. And uh, we, um, I, I have help, though. You know, I mean, Ricky's helped with the car, and a big help just here lately. You know, he's helped me last year, worked on Danny Sorrows' is. Justin Elks, he's sharp with a car, and we work together behind the scenes a lot. And uh, You know, I'm a motor guy, he's a car guy, you know, and we've really been working on Lizzie's to have a consistent car, and that's what it's all about, you know. But 
you know, you need more. One thing everybody knows, I, I, there's no I in team, you know. I mean, it, it takes some people, you know, and we've got good people. So, Well, and that's one I'm thing, I think that's a great subject to talk about here is that that's one time, one place where drag racing has really changed a lot. The days Warren Johnson used to talk about this all the time, right? That he, I mean, he could go in and run the car, right? I mean, he could go racing. Right. If he had to drive the truck, he could drive the truck. If he, whatever he had right. to do, he could do, he could go drag racing. And I think his quote was now we've got lug nut specialist, valve cover specialist. Oh, yeah. We got right. clutch specialist. Warren's from the school I'm from. I mean, we always say throw the four link out on the ground, Throw the motor apart in a million pieces, everything in a million pieces, and then put it together and run it. There ain't many guys left can do that, Wes. You know that. I know that, man. And how is it? Because that's what it looks like going back to Pro Nitrous, any of these top level categories. You kind of mentioned something that it it takes more of a team, right? I mean, it takes a guy that's tuning the engine. It takes a guy that's that's kind of overseeing the car or the power management aspect of things. Is that something that? I mean, is it just what it is? Is it just dr- evolution? Is it just the way it is? Or do you miss kind of the, the older days of the do-it-yourselfers and everybody working on their own stuff and driving their own stuff? Or what, I mean, what do you make of it? I miss it, but I like it now. But hear me out. I can do it all, but having really good people that can help me with that. I'm an engine builder, and I think I'm pretty good at what I do. And I've always relied on power to help power everybody my whole career. If you look at it, you know, I've always run big speed in anything I've run, you know. But um, I still know how to make a clutch work, how, to, how a car works. Driving gave me a lot of uh, insight on the whole deal. So, but having people that I can bounce stuff, my wife says, why are you telling that guy that? Because I, I got somebody I can trust. I can bounce an idea off and get an honest answer. And that's really hard, you know. But when you get relationships like Justin or Ricky, you know, where you can bounce stuff off each other, it's a big deal. When you deal, when you deal with your, your customers and clientele, what do you, I mean, what is the, I mean, I, I, was gonna, I was trying to think of how to frame this, but when you're out in the, in the racing world and we're out at these drag strips and stuff and you've got all these different customers, I mean, where, where do you, where do you see people kind of missing it the most? Like when, if they're struggling or what do you think? Is there, is there something that you see consistently out in this industry or when you're out at the racetrack that people just consistently maybe are doing wrong or something that you always go, man, you just can't do it like that? Well, the number one thing I see in a nitrous engine, they run to the jet box. The answer is put more nitrous in. That's number one. Number two is not using the power they have to try to get everything out of what they have. The ones that do are successful, don't blow up their stuff, and they run good. You know, I mean, they've outrun us, you know that, you know. But um, the ones that run to that jet box, eventually they're going to nail the motor, and what good is it? You know, I mean, just they they missed a boat on, they ought to work on what they have, power management. But that's where I have to stop as an engine builder. I mean, I can't tune the whole car for the guy. You know, that's not my job. So they need to bring in people or get some help and work on the cars. And most of them are doing it. You know, they're doing a good job. We have guys that are really good at that and run really good with what they have, you know. So it's um, it's a tough deal juggling what I juggle. And then they always say Lizzie gets the best stuff. Well, how about when they outrun her? You know, I mean, so... 
Oh, right. I mean, hey, I, you know, everybody, that's, that's kind of a, I think that that's always a, a that's just what people say, right? I mean, that's always going to yeah. be, there's got to be something that you can blame okay, someone else's somebody. success on, right? I mean, they've got something I don't, or there's, there's got to be some argument made every time. Um, okay, so headed forward, we're headed into the NHRA four wide nationals. Let's talk a little bit of current events here. Headed into the weekend, man, I'm not sure exactly what the weather forecast looks like, but the way you guys have ran so far in 2019, I mean, you've got to feel confident. Chad's come a long way as a driver. He was pretty fresh, a little green behind the ears there early on when you first started working with Chad, but he's really developed into a good driver, consistent driver. I mean, what's what you you got to feel good about your chances following Houston, right? We do, but we think the blowers are getting faster, the turbos are getting faster. We'll see. We're still behind. I'm not – look, everybody knows we're 500s behind. Anybody that knows, unlike our tech department, I just want to give a shout-out. Don't get mad at me. If any of these NHRA tech guys would just at least talk – they won't even talk to me, Was Then maybe they don't want to hear the truth, but look at what I'm looking at. Let's see what happens on race day where we're at. That's what they need to go off. That's what I struggle with. I know we'll be hopefully the fastest nitrous car there. We worked on some stuff here this last couple of weeks for Jed, and uh, we're going to try to make some good runs. Like you said, he's a hell of a driver now, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. But, God, I don't know if I can go five uh, 60s or whatever the blower mark happens to be dependent on air. Let's put it that way. Well, it's unbelievable the way this thing has kind of spiraled out of control. Can you explain to us what happened? One of the things I see on social media all the time, speaking of current events, is the death of the bullhorn. Can you explain to people what what kind of inspired the switch to the Zoomy style header and the abandonment of the of the the Zoomy or excuse me, the bullhorn and, and the differences and why one works better than the other? Well, if you remember, we were one of the first, okay, with the Zoomy and uh, got a lot of people to switch. The problem is on a nitrous engine, we have standoff. We have it in the intake manifold. We have it on the exhaust side. So on the overlap, the overlap stroke when both valves are open, at any given point, that one exhaust port, that one pipe can draw from the other pipe and pull hot fuel, hot air back up into the manifold. I mean, it's just... You're opening yourself up to have another cavity to swap holes. So it's so like by the zooming, it's clearing you up notice we got the exhaust step, port. It's harder for it to do that. So it's clearing up the exhaust port is the yes to yes. run in the zoomy. Okay, that makes sense. And what about the downforce aspect? Is does that play any role no, in it whatsoever? No, we can dip those pipes anyway. We can work on the cars. I mean, NHRA is getting a little tough. Um, we're kind of lucky with Lizzie. We talked about that today. Weight of the drivers is important. You can't get these cars any lighter. you got to be able to move weight around, you know, or you can't. That was my argument. You're giving us 25 pounds. Are you kidding me? Where are we going to get it from first off, and then the car won't work? So um, we can juggle weight around to make up for a little of the downforce. I don't really think there's that much more downforce on the bullhorns. I think it's just they look cooler they, because, look, what everybody doesn't get, what do you think is burning? That's all the XX fuel. What, do you want that back up in the motor? No. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. No, you don't. Yeah, you don't. But it does look I mean, cool, hey, man. It drives me crazy. Flames, let's put, 
eight little nozzles in each pipe and let's pour <laughs> some oil in a pipe. We'll light them up. <laughs> no, it's, it is true, though, man, because I know that, like, me personally, like, I see it all the time. We post up your boy, Freddy Scriba, uh, Scriba, however you say his last name. How do you say Freddy's last name? Scribba. Scribba. Freddie threw right. down the gauntlet with that 567. We posted that picture on dragillustrated.com, and I was like, I made it the background. I deleted the picture of my kids, and I put the picture of that car on the background of my right. phone because that's <laughs> badass. I'm like, okay, that's how a pro mod is supposed to look. It's got a hood scoop, and it's got three-foot, four-foot flames hanging out of it. You just can't hardly – and honestly, Pat – I know it sounds silly or whatever, but when I go back to what we've been talking about this whole time and just preserving nitrous pro mod racing, this is a big, I mean, it's, I can't imagine going to a drag race and not seeing nitrous purges, you know what I mean? Not seeing header flames, not seeing these big throaty 900 inch motors, not hearing them. I mean, it's, there's such a big part of this deal. And I just hope that there is, I hope someone out there is listening, Pat. I really do because we, we can't see these cars go away. Pro mod will not be the same if it becomes a a turbo or blower version of pro stock. It has to have all of them. Yeah, uh, I think so. I hope they listen to us. You know, I might have them PO'd because I'm telling them like it is. That's how I've been. There's no sense of beating around the bush. Do you agree with that? Oh, no. I don't think there's any. And I honestly, I think open conversation and communication and all this stuff is good. I don't know that enough of it goes on. I think sometimes we have to be willing to talk about this stuff publicly. I tried my hardest in Houston to talk to these guys. They won't even talk to me. No, I think it has to happen. I think everybody's got to be talking. We got to be tuned in. We got to be listening to multiple voices. And you're—I'm not saying you have to listen to everybody and and do exactly what they say, but I think you're wise to get some get a multitude of opinions so you can make your make your own decision. I mean, obviously, there's—I think committees are dangerous. I don't like them at all, but I do think that it's wise to to listen to people and poke around and ask some questions and then base you know make a opinion make a decision based on that. Looking at um, one of the things I want to talk about before I let you go, Pat, was the uh, uh, where was I going to talk about? There was something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. I was I was going to ask. This is just something that's cool when you think about the the history of our sport and the the names and the legacy names. One of the things that that really hasn't gotten the play that I think it should is how involved you are with Edelbrock. I'm, your relationship with Edelbrock's been a, a really, a, for me, I think it's been a really big deal that people don't maybe understand how deep that goes. That, I mean, they're, they're manufacturing parts that you've designed. Your name is being, you know, milled in the side of, you know, cylinder heads and intake manifolds and everything under the sun. I mean, they have complete engines that you've helped put together and design. And that's one of the things that I think is kind of cool because let's be honest, not everybody is in the market for a 959. Not everybody's in the market for a 903. But my God, it seems like every time I turn my head, I see a 555 or a 632 and you can get a Pat Musi, Edelbrock. I lost you a little bit there. You can there. you hear me? I mean, the fact that you can go pick what? up a Pat Musi. I'm losing you a little bit. Oh, can you hear me, buddy? Yeah, now I got you. Okay. Yeah. The yeah. fact that you can go buy a Pat Musi 632 or a Pat Musi 555, I mean, is that a, I mean, you've got to feel pretty proud that, that you have that relationship with Edelbrock and that people can go out, even if they can't afford or don't need an, a big, massive, multi stage nitrous engine, they can still run a Musi motor. Well, we're pretty, we're pretty proud of the way it's going. And Don Barry, the CEO, will be here May 7th. We're going to have a meeting. 
there's some even newer stuff going on. They're committed to racing, I can tell you that. Um, but um, it, it, it's been a great relationship. But one of the things I told them, and I never got it, Wes, I didn't even tell you yet. You know, you do a lot of my ads. I never realized the power of the two names together. Edelbrock's got a name that, listen, let's face it, they go back farther than I do. But the two of us together really have some, we got guys call that just want that engine because we're both involved in it. I just, it, it's like a marriage that really went well. How, how else can I explain it? You know, it's, I think um, it's a cool thing, man. How important is that part of the market? One of the things that we're actually working on a story for an upcoming issue of Drag Illustrated where we're just talking about how crazy top sportsman and top dragster racing is. It's unbelievable how many of these cars are. I mean, I remember one of the examples I give all the time is the PDRA World Finals in Virginia last October. I rolled through the pits that one morning. I think it was Friday morning before things kind of popped off. And I could not believe how many. And this isn't junk. I mean, this is like the nicest stuff money can buy. One killer door car after one killer door car, one after another, rear engine dragsters. And everybody's got trucks and trailer, big toter homes and stacker trailers. It's unbelievable how big that category is. What's top sportsman and top dragster? What do those classes mean to, to your business right now? It's a pretty big deal, and we want to go after it even harder. We sell a lot of our old... 959s, 903s to those guys, the grudge guys and those guys, you know, and we offered a 632, we're going to, we offer a 760, um, we're on it, we got our thumb on it, you know, we see a good market there, uh, what can I say, that's why we did the whole deal with Edelbrock, we, we, we just appreciate those guys, I think it gives them a chance to be in our arena, they run good, they like it, they go fast. I think it's catching on, Wes. I think it's a great deal. Whenever you put together one of those, you know, like a top sportsman type engine package, that's the thing that I think people that's really shocking in this day and age for all the hubbub that's made about like these pro charged big blog stuff and how easy they are on parts. I mean, the, the same can be said for one of those 632s or one of your small, even smaller nitrous engines. I mean, if you're going to go bracket race one of those things, you're not going to hurt it. No. No, we haven't had anybody. Knock on wood, we haven't had anybody hurt anything. We can give them. I always say we could be heroes with those guys pretty easy. I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean it that we're hardcore. We're on our stuff. So we tone them down a little bit, and it's more than enough for what they can get at a local shop, you know? So. No, there's um, no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And they're catching on. No, it really is. What do you make of the, the whole Pro Charger thing? I know you're one of the guys that have been. I remember whatever you told me that whatever tur- twin turbos started showing up in Pro Mod that you're like, all right, stick a fork in it. This is going to ruin everything. Do we Are we staring down the barrel of a similar situation if Pro Chargers get allowed into NHRA Pro Mod? I'll just say one thing. I'll just, they can get mad. They can do whatever. Hell, they can't kick me out unless they bring some people. But (laughs) they're gonna, they can't get what they have now straight. Why would you bring another can of worms into it? That's all I'm gonna say. Be hard to argue. I mean, there's there's a, a much different sides to that argument, but there's definitely work to be done with where we're at right now. Well, Pat, I surely appreciate your time. I kept you on here for nearly an hour, but that's what I was going for, and I, I appreciate you taking the time on a busy Wednesday, busy Wednesday afternoon to shoot the breeze with us here. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you in a couple uh, of days. I hope I you, Wes, and we talked about some old stuff. I appreciate you. Anytime you can 
Have time. I'm here. Well, I appreciate it, Pat. I'll see you in a couple of days at the NHRA Four Wide Nationals. You're, you're, how far is Z-Max from your house? That's probably like, what, 20 minutes? 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Man, must be yeah. nice. Must be nice. Well, hey, we'll have to make I'll see a trip you in a couple of days. House. The pool's a little cold, but we'll see if you can stand it. All right. I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> All right, Wes. Thank you. Bye-bye.